We are back yet again on the Thickman Inc. podcast. This week in video format, a welcome change for you, dear viewers at home. And we have a variety of things to talk about this week. The Russell Wilson contract, the Carolina Panthers' interest in Baker Mayfield, a special man in Oracle Arena. But first, we are going to talk about fantasy football, a topic near and dear to all of our hearts. And while we could say, oh, such and such is going to be the best player in all fantasy, you need to draft this guy in the first round, we're going in a slightly different direction. Everybody knows great fantasy teams are built in the back half of the draft. Good managers draft great players in the 11th round, maybe not that late, but they get players back in the draft who have top 5, top 10 level production. So, we are going to give you our two biggest sleepers in fantasy football for the coming 2022 season. And my biggest sleeper is near and dear to my heart. I know he's near and dear to your heart, Tristan. But, we all know there are five really good tight ends who are going to go off the border. There's going to be the Kelseys, the Kittles, the Wallers, the Pitts. And some would say, okay, the big four. And of course, Mark Andrews, assuming that Lamar Jackson stays in Baltimore. But I would like to add a six. Someone who is going to match these guys in production. Not quite eclipse them, but match. I'm, of course, talking about Jacksonville Jaguars great Evan Ingram. And Tristan Kilgannon is going to laugh at this because he is an uninformed student. But you look at Evan Ingram, he is in a great situation to have a breakout season. There's not much competition in the tight end room. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a breakout season. It is going to be a very solid fit for the tight end. He's already made the Pro Bowl once. Doug Peterson is synonymous with effectively using his tight ends. You look at the offensive Doug Peterson has led. Every year when he's an offensive coordinator or head coach, with the exception of one, the tight end has been the leading receiver in his room. Granted, those tight ends were Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz, which does help the production, but I think Evan Ingram is going to see a lot of usage. He's an athletic freak, he's got good hands except when he doesn't, and he is going to greatly boost the stock of Trevor Lawrence. I think... Evan Ingram is going to match the production of at least a few of these guys, particularly Waller, because Waller is a bit on the low inside, at least five tight ends. But expect about 800 yards and at least eight touchdowns from Evan Ingram this season. Well, you know what this sounds a lot of like? I don't know if you remember this podcast or whenever we recorded this must have been a year or two years ago. And this sounds exactly like I was at that point in time. And I got made fun of to the ends of the earth from you after whichever season. This might have even been two years ago at this point when I said, imagine what Andy Reid would do with Evan Ingram in his offense. And I said that I, I lauded Evan Ingram because of how athletic he is. And But then we always forget the fact that he's incapable of catching the ball. He's incapable of holding on to the ball after the catch. And even though he's an athletic freak for his size, you're, you're calling the Jaguar situation a good one. The Jaguars haven't been a good situation since the inception of their franchise. They've it's been not good a good for maybe situation for the season. quarterback, don't get me wrong. They're not a winning situation by any means, but it's a good situation to be a tight end. And Evan Ingram, I mean, he's been in better situations. No, he is not. No, he is he's not. He's been the number no, one tight end on the team every single Every, on the Giants, every single year he's been in the league. The he Giants had better had receivers much around him. quarterback throwing to him every single time. I'm judging off the Trevor Lawrence's last season. How much Trevor worse Lawrence is he than Daniel Jones? last season is better than any passing season Daniel Jones has had. Stop it. Either way, either way, he's had better receivers around him almost every single year with the exception of last season compared to the current Jaguars roster and depth chart. Either way... I don't really see him as a uh, as a sleeper. I'm definitely not drafting him. 
mostly because of the pain of having to watch him ruin or not be that good on the Giants. But when it comes to fantasy football this season in in general, it's kind of a weird year. I think there's a lot of players that aren't getting drafted as highly as we might have expected them to. Even in the first and second round, Nick Chubb is going in the second. I think he's the 19th player, on average, the 19th player drafted. And personally, I would rather have him over guys like Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, who may miss games due to his, you know, pending assault. Uh, We don't know how that's going to go. Najee Harris and even Dalvin Cook. So I think even at the top of fantasy drafts, there's a lot of um, room for debate. And you could even call Nick Chubb a sleeper to an extent because he's going in the second instead of the first. But a player that I want to focus on, another running back in the NFL, is Daryl Henderson. I think he's being wildly underrated. And I think it is pretty absurd that his partner in the backfield, Cam Akers, is the 18th running back off the board. He's being drafted as an RB, low-end RB1, high-end RB2, which I think is kind of absurd, especially when you consider that Daryl Henderson is the 43rd running back off the board. He's getting drafted in the 10th, 11th, and 13th rounds. I'm assuming in some leagues, he's probably not even getting drafted. And when you compare both players' production, Daryl Henderson is the better player when healthy. In 2020, when they were both on the field, Cam Akers had 625 yards, Daryl Henderson had 624 yards on less carries. He averaged 4.5 yards a carry. Cam Akers averaged 4.3 yards a carry. And then when you take a look at just this previous season, Daryl Henderson was the lead back for the majority of the year because of Cam Akers' Achilles injury. And he was very good, I think, in the offense. 4.5 yards a carry, finished with 688 yards, three touchdowns. And then he, I think he got injured in week 12 and wasn't able to play basically the rest of the season. Cam Akers stepped in in the playoffs. I think he also played, had like five carries in week 17 and his playoffs were abysmal. He had 2.5 yards of carry, fumbled twice against the Bucks, almost blew that game. So the fact that Daryl Henderson is getting drafted as the 43rd running back in most leagues, I think is kind of absurd, especially when you take into account that Cam Akers is getting drafted as a starter in fantasy and Daryl Henderson isn't going to be Jonathan Taylor. I think his health over the last two seasons has been concerning. He's missed I think four games, basically, each of the last two seasons. I, to me, it's crazy people are valuing Cam Akers so high, but not Daryl Henderson. This is a difference between you and me and mindset, Tristan. I go, I find someone who is in the dumpster, and I say, this dumpster diver is going to be a top five tight end. You find someone who is a 43rd running back, and you say he's going to be a solid running back, too. So I us take bigger shots. But I agree with you to a certain extent. I think Cam Akers is a wee bit overrated at 18. I think his production, when he was healthy, wasn't quite top level. But I do think they will defend defer to him over Mr. Henderson when it comes to running the ball, for being honest. And besides that, he's not going to be the number one option in the year. He's not going to be the number two option in the year. He might even be the number three option in the year, depending on what Akers does in that aspect. So... I don't quite get why you're as high on him. When you take a look at last season on a per game basis, he played in 12 games, so he missed out on five games. And it is a concern that he's not able to, you know, make it all the way. But he was on pace to have a thousand yards. He was very consistent, dropped 10 plus points a game. I would know because he was also on a couple of my fantasy teams. So I just think it's kind of weird that how productive he was last season, especially during the regular season, that he's kind of not, he's an afterthought in a lot of people's fantasy drafts this year. Guys getting drafted in front of him that I don't think will be 
touching the ball nearly as much as he will be. It's also an issue with the whole running back by committee thing, and they're both good players, but realistically, think of the teams in the NFL which do that, and how many of those players would you really want on your roster as a running back one? The answer is only Nick Chubb, I'd say, because the other high-end running backs don't do that, and even the mid-level ones don't quite do that. Having that other guy in the backfield is going to take away points. I'm not going to get into it with you. We have other things to talk about, but I do think both those guys will have much better value than when they get drafted, particularly Evan Ingram, who who might not even be drafted in most people's leagues because they are blind haters who do not appreciate the greatness <laughs> of Doug Peterson. And hey, when, when we make a fan, you know, because we, we'll probably make a thick manic fan. Are you going to finish second to last in this one again? <laughs> are you going to draft Evan Ingram again? I don't think I drafted or, Evan Ingram the draft first him this time. time. Why I would I draft say? someone who has Daniel Jones passing the ball? And of course we're going to draft that him. I'm going to draft him high because if I'm drafting him high, he's not a sleeper now, is he? <laughs> a young man has been struck down by the horrible, horrible NBA and grievous misappropriation of justice. A fan dressed as Clay Thompson infiltrated Chase Center by the player It's not just a fan. He's a pretty well-known YouTuber. He is a fan. But (laughs) a fan slash pretty well-known YouTuber infiltrated, infiltrated the Chase Center, made his way onto the court, began shooting layups, and then was promptly caught by security, given a ban from the NBA. And not just the NBA... The Women's NBA, the G League. He's not allowed to go to any events at Chase Center at all. He can, however, go to other NBA arenas for events there. But I think this is horrible. I feel bad for this young man. He should not be banned. He should, in fact, be praised. And Patrick Beverly, in fact, has already hopped on Twitter to say, hey, bud, if we can, next time the Warriors play the Timberwolves, we are going to get you courtside. This hero should be celebrated. He has done nothing wrong. It is not his fault. Security is incompetent. That being said, legally, he absolutely broke the law. But... <laughs> Neither here nor there. I'm well, a I've... big fan of this type of tomfoolery and pranking. I myself tried to sneak into the Steelers Stadium once. It did not go as well as this guy's attend, but we will get into that later. Well, I I found it hilarious that in his YouTube, well, he's much more famous than us, Big Dawes was able to get onto the court for the NBA Finals, and his uh, vlog came out from that whole experience and that whole trip when you watch uh him entering the arena he's not even questioned by security there's very little check he puts he goes through the metal detector whatever that thing is called he puts his like air it looks like an airport security type thing i don't know what any of that equipment's called but he goes through that not even questioned walks through the building makes it to the court no one talks to him he joke i don't his attentions weren't even in the wrong place he jokes about going to the locker room obviously they didn't go into the locker room they step onto an empty court where there's no one and then they exit when they're asked to leave it's more so embarrassing for the head of security and is this and the fact that he might lose his yeah, job the worst look for the security this dude rolled up in game pants and a hoodie and that's just not how players walk into the arena we've all seen the extravagant outfits guys like Westbrook wear and while most guys don't dress like that they still dress up a little bit this guy looked like he was ready to play pop the shirt off take a few shots in the first score but no they just let him walk right past I think it ultimately speaks to how generic of a guy Clay Thompson is not a particularly extravagant looker. He's six foot seven, but still, this YouTuber I assume is not that tall, but I imagine a bit above average. Really just bad look for security. Good look for content, though. And at the end of the day, he will be unbanned at some point. Well, he's point. six five. That is pretty tall. That's almost as, as tall, tall as Clay Thompson. I mean, he's well, a pretty close. Go. If he was wearing lifts, <laughs> then it becomes much more convincing. 
He's a pretty close Clay Thompson lookalike, but I think okay. Let's not disrespect Clay Thompson like that. This guy's kind of <laughs> ugly looking. I mean, he's as close as you're gonna get when it comes to impersonating. Looks I like think. Clay Thompson if he got locked in a golden corral for two months. <laughs> that is also true. But what does this say about Clay? The fact that it was believable for the security that he's rolling up in uh, game attire with a sweatshirt on, and they think that's him. Well, apparently Clay Thompson took it personal because he had his best game of the series, in my opinion, in Game 5, made a bunch of three-pointers which he had previously been missing. So maybe this guy's a net positive. The Warriors are undefeated when this dude sneaks in. So consider that if it comes back to uh, Oakland for Game 7. Swiftly moving on, the Browns are apparently going to have a suitor come and make an offer for Baker Mayfield. The Panthers are desperate to get the young quarterback in by the time training camp starts. And to me, this is a clear indictment of the quarterback situation they got going on there because Sam Donald just is not the answer. Cam Newton will not be the answer they brought him back in. The rookie they drafted isn't going to be the answer and Matt Rule is fighting for his life to win games. He knows he is on the hot seat. Another losing season, another failure of a season. He is out of there. So Baker Mayfield appears to be his best bet to actually win and maybe even sneak into the playoffs in the weekend NFC. The only issue is the front office clearly does not believe in Matt Rule. They drafted the quarterback they want to see running the team in the future and they are not going to be willing to pay Baker's exorbitant contract and the Browns due to a certain someone with I believe 26 allegations now kind of are holding on to Baker in the vain hope that he will be their starting quarterback, which is never going to happen again. But I think Baker would be a good fit for the Panthers. He would get an opportunity to fight for the starting job long term and he may even win it. But they've got good receivers. The O-line's not bad and the defense isn't bad. They're just one piece away. And by one piece, I mean Christian McCaffrey's knee not exploding, but... (laughs) This move further proves the Panthers' incompetency to a certain extent because they did not go ahead and trade for Baker Mayfield before the draft. They didn't go ahead and get him earlier on in the offseason so he can learn the playbook as fast as possible. And it makes me think that Matt Rule and the Panthers' front office and the organization really thought that Sam Darnold in the building and they thought that bringing Matt Corral into the building and PJ Walker, those are the guys that they have who are going to be the answer and save all of their jobs this coming 2022 NFL season, which is ridiculous. At least them saying that they're going to trade for him now is that they've acknowledged all those deficiencies. They're acknowledging that they don't even have a top 32 quarterback in the NFL. And Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, and I think it also yours, is at least one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL and deserves a starting job. He is better better, than Sam Darnold. He's better than Sam Darnold. He's better than PJ Walker, who was a nice XFL story. no XFL disrespect. Come on. And he's going to be better than Matt Corral, who only threw RPO passes for Ole Miss last season. So I think it's a good move. It is also beneficial, like you said, to Baker Mayfield because it gives them opportunity to start. It's also a one-year rental for the Panthers if it doesn't work out so they can cut ties to Matt Rule cut ties with Baker Mayfield. It's a win-win for the Panthers. Now, I I do think it's a little weird that they're arguing over salary. Th- that sounds w- what is stopping the trade from going through. It sounds like they've almost agreed on compensation and they're just arguing over who's going to pay the remainder of the contract, which doesn't make sense to me because the Panthers really need them if they want to be successful this season. They have the cap space and the Browns, I mean, they can't really do anything with them either way. So if I'm the Panthers, I'm paying, I'm you know trying to get as much... The Browns to cover as much as possible, but that wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. And I think the, the Panthers are going to have to bend the knee. The Panthers not being willing to go out and spend the $29 million is a sign they do not have an abundance and confidence that Baker Mayfield will lead them it's to 18 wins. It's $18 million. Not. Where do you get it's $29 million? 
excuse me, willing to spend the $18 million on Baker Mayfield. Shows a lack of confidence in Mayfield's ability to go out there and win them games. I'm pretty sure they all think, okay, he's better than what we got, but at the same time, is it really worth taking on this contract for one year for what could it be, be mediocre? So, that might be a disconnect between ownership, coaches, front office. I don't know. I think the deal will eventually happen, but I think the Browns are going to have to bite the bullet and take a little bit of that contract on. Baker may have to threaten to become allegation number 27 and 28 if they don't, but we'll just have to wait and see. The best thing that can happen... (laughs) Well, actually, no, that's not good. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know where you were going. I I don't think you know where I was going. I think I know where you were going, but we're not going to get into that. Instead, we are going to go to the mile-high city of Denver. Russell Wilson is asking for a contract, and not just any contract. Will it be one of the biggest contracts in NFL history? Five years, $25 million is apparently his asking price. And this is a Patrick Mahomes-level contract, and everybody knows Russell Wilson ain't Patrick Mahomes. He ain't on that level by a good margin. Russ is borderline top 10 these days, certainly not top 5, and you compare him to someone who actually deserves that type of contract, the $50 million a year, it's not close. The only way this move actually happens because the new ownership is desperate to sign him keep him long term and they're trying to make a statement that statement would be hey we're willing to spend money come sign uh with us we will pay our players not very good statement but hey i don't think this contract will get done it may be five years 200 million but it's not gonna be five years 250 million unless the ownership in front office just gets suckered into it by the brand well russell wilson was one of the most coveted players this offseason that was on the trade block he's been kind constantly talked about which team is he going to go to and it was one of the biggest moves when the Broncos went ahead and traded for him got him from the Seahawks and when you think about this logically him wanting five years 250 million it is absurd he's not the best quarterback in the NFL I personally don't think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL but the NFL is in a logical place especially when you take into consideration that the Browns still unfortunately exist in the NFL and they paid Deshaun Watson 230 million guaranteed dollars with an average annual value of $46 million with 26 pending sexual assault civil cases. So with that hanging, with those hanging over Deshaun Watson and the money that he got, and when you take into consideration that Aaron Rodgers is getting paid a guaranteed $50 million a year, and he's five years older than Russell Wilson, I think It almost seems like Russell Wilson is definitely going to get the five-year, $250 million contract. Also because as long as fans are continue to allow in stadiums and we don't have another COVID situation, knock on wood, the salary cap's only going to go up within the next five years. Even though it sounds absurd now, and it's crazy to think he's going to get paid more than Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and some of the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL, I think he's going to wind up getting that money. The issue of giving this contract out, you mentioned Russ and you compare them to the Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson's contracts. Those two guys are both complete head cases, Watson much more than Rodgers, but they're also much better than Russ. Because if Deshaun Watson plays, I think you'd agree he's probably top five. If Aaron Rodgers plays, he's definitely top five. And Russell Wilson is, at the absolute best, the third best quarterback and maybe the worst quarterback in his own division. So... <laughs> compare him to his contemporaries and his peers he's not as good as the other guys making that much money but he will <laughs> so eventually who's, get so who's better money. than russell wilson and oh fuck i'm thinking he's still in the seahawks never mind no <laughs> my brain farted there i was like what are you talking about i had a brain fart i gotta get used to him being on the broncos yeah that's <laughs> you don't think trey lance is gonna take a big step because <laughs> i was like who the fuck are you talking about <laughs> 
Well, there's <laughs> this guy second. in Kansas City who eats his steaks with ketchup, and there's this guy who gained 38 pounds in the offseason on the Chargers. He's as a, big a boy. beefy man. But anyway, completely and lost the We know Derek Carr is just as talented as Aaron Rodgers, so. Yeah, what type of idiot would say that? Anyway, that has been our show. As you can tell, I'm a bit disoriented, mainly because my eyes are completely dilated and I cannot read my notes, neither here nor there. But thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing and liking, yada, yada, yada. We are doing a giveaway to 1K subscribers, so if you're still here and not subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Comment down below for a chance to win. You are all tremendously appreciated. I hope you have a sensational week.